you for joining us at Bangalore Revival Center. We are a church that's dreaming revival with God and serving people in love. It is our desire to equip you to represent Jesus and carry his great joy to the ends of the earth. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit dreamingrevival.com. Now, as you listen to the word, we believe that God will minister to you. Are you ready to go into the word? This is a series that I'm excited about and I pray and I hope that you will receive and you will be excited about this too. I have titled this series as Hallowed Be Thy Name and uh, we, we studied one name. What was that one name that we studied? Elohim. Elohim. We, we studied what it means to see God as our Elohim. When we talk about Elohim, we see the creator God in action. And we see this God who created us and we see this God who is supreme and high above everything. And we see this God that is uh, the judge and, and he is, uh, everybody is answerable to him. Everybody has to give an account to him. And every time we see who this Elohim is, we see the authority that has been given to us. So let's go to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. We are ready to start today's study. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. Let's read it out together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is the prayer that Jesus asked us to pray. We, we, we uh, emphasized on the fact that this is not the Lord's prayer, but this is the disciples prayer, right? And, and what did he ask us to pray? Lord, may our lives be centered around the glory of your name. Amen. Yes, no, maybe, maybe not. Anything from last week? Yes. May our lives, may our finances, may our families, may our ministries, may it all be centered around the glory of your name. That is the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. And, you know, what does it mean to ask God's name to be hallowed? What does it mean to pray that that, that his name will be high and lifted up, that his name will be exalted in everything that we do. That how do we respond to his name? How do we treat his name? You know, if you go into the Old Testament, we read this last time, God gave a warning, you cannot misuse my name. My name is very special. You cannot misuse my name. You cannot even take my name in vain. Right, you remember that? And if you read uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 58, again, there's a warning. And it says, if you fail to fear, read it with me. If you fail to fear and honor with reverence the glorious and the awesome name of the Lord your God. You know, I've not put the rest of that. It goes on to say that if you fail to do this, then... I will allow plagues to take over your nation. That's what the word says. It says that if we fail to fear and honor with reverence the glorious and the awesome name of the Lord our God. Amen. Now, now check this out, okay? It says that if we fail to fear and honor and reverence his name, then we will experience plagues, right? So what if we do the opposite? What if we succeed to fear and honor and rever his name? Can we ask, can we expect, can we receive a healing from the plague? Can we ask God for a deliverance from the challenges that we are faced with? Come on, talk to me. If, if, if not doing this is going to invoke a plague, then doing this can also stop a plague. Talk to me, church. Yeah? And, and here is God saying, hey, this is what it means to 
to envision my name being hallowed in your home, in your church, in your ministry. It means that you fear my name. It means that you honor my name. And, and this fear is not the kind of fear that is like, oh my God, I'm, I'm, you know, like demons fear his name. Not like that. This is the kind of fear that is filled with honor and with reverence and with respect. Do you know that even demons will one day bow down and say, you are Lord? Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Amen? But the only thing that they will lack is real reverence and honor. Because it is not going to be out of love. It is going to be out of fear. But that is where you and I stand out. That is where you and I are going to be different. The Bible says that we have to fear and honor God with reverence. That's how we treat this awesome and this glorious name of the Lord, our God. Psalms 20 and verse 7. Are you ready? Uh, scream it out with me. One, two, three, go. Some nations boast of their chariots and their horses. But we, come on, we? We boast in the name of the Lord our God. What do we boast in? In the name of our church. What do we boast in? Do we boast in our resources? Do we boast in our blessings? Do we boast in the things that God has given us? Or do we boast in the name of the Lord our God? Come on church, that is what is going to set us apart from the world around us. Can we be a church? Can we be a people that will that will live our lives, that will conduct everything in us and around us in such a way that we will, we will constantly hallow his name. We will constantly rever his name. That our lives will be built around the glory of his name. That we will, that we will want to respect and fear his glorious and awesome name. That we will not boast about what we have, but we will boast about his glorious and awesome name. We have access because of his name. Amen. Now, do you see that word Lord in that verse? And if you read this word Lord, you know, especially in the Old Testament, you would find that the Lord, the word Lord is, is written in two different ways. One where all four letters L-O-R-D is capital and one where all four, only L is capital and O-R-D is, you know, small letters now that's because both those words are taken from two different root words so the root word that we're going to study today is the word Yahweh everybody say Yahweh. Yahweh now this this word you know in English it can be translated as Jehovah uh, you know in um, I can't really pronounce it the way they say it in the Hebrew uh, language, uh, the way that they pronounce it with their, you know, with their, with the breath, you know, it's, it's amazing. That's how they say it. But can we, for simplicity, call it Yahweh? Okay. Uh, the, uh, dictionary definition of Yahweh is the pre-existing one. Somebody who was always there, the eternal one, somebody who was there from the beginning and he will be there you know, because he, there is no end. He will be there, you know. He will just be there. He will be eternal. Amen. Now, last week we studied about Elohim, right? You remember Elohim? Now, Elohim is translated as God, the word God in the Old Testament. Now, if you compare how many times Elohim is used in the Old Testament and how many times Yahweh is used in the Old Testament, Yahweh is used almost thrice the number of times that Elohim is used. Okay, the reason being, Elohim is talking about a different revelation of who God is and Yahweh is talking about a different revelation of who God is. This, is, this word is never pronounced except with vowel pointings because they literally take that verse uh, these uh, you know Jewish rabbis they 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 are extremely religious about uh, 
that verse that says, do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. So, so they, they don't even pronounce this name out loud. They don't even write this name properly, right? That's how much respect they show to this name, Yahweh. And yet, this is that one name that is saturated in the Old Testament over 6,000 times, somewhere around 6,000 times, this name keeps coming again and again and again all throughout the Old Testament. And again, like you know, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew and the New Testament is written in Greek and Aramaic. So uh, we, are, we are specifically focusing on uh, Old Testament quotations, okay? Uh, and it's always written as Lord in the English translations. Okay, now the focus area for us is today is going to be on the origin, the first place this word, this place, Lord, this word or this name was used in the Bible. And that is again going to be in the book of Genesis chapter 2. Last week we studied how Elohim created the heavens and the earth. You remember that? Now, throughout Genesis chapter 1, you would see that Elohim created this and Elohim created this and then Elohim said, let there be light. And then Elohim said, let, let, let the sun and the moon and the stars fall into their place. And then Elohim said, let the waters uh, separate from the land. And then Elohim said, let, let plants crop up. Everything as Elohim said, so it was. So we see the creative aspect of God. And if you read Genesis chapter 1, you would see that the whole thing revolves around Elohim. Have you noticed that? It says, then Elohim saw and said, it was good. It was not for man's pleasure. Genesis chapter 1, it's all revolving around God's pleasure. It's revolving around Elohim. It says, and then Elohim saw this and he said, wow, this is good. And then Elohim saw this and he said, this is also good and evening and morning and, and throughout Genesis chapter 1 you would see that going on and on and on and on. Amen? Amen? About how Elohim created heavens and the earth. Now, when you come to Genesis chapter 2, okay, it's almost like there is a reset button pressed and the author Moses or uh, who is uh, whichever angel said you know speaking this out to Moses it's almost like he forgot that he had already written about creation in Genesis chapter 1 that now he has to rewrite about everything from a completely different perspective this time have you ever read Genesis chapter 1 and 2 together you'll find so many contradictions you'll feel like man this doesn't make sense here, man was created last. Here, man was created first. Did you know that? If you read Genesis chapter 2, it's completely the other way. Here, you know, you know, God created man and woman together. Here, God created man and then all the animals. And then he finally created the, the woman. You know, the order is completely different in Genesis chapter 2. Why is that? We'll understand that in a bit, okay? We'll try and figure out what God is trying to teach us from Genesis chapter 2. Are you ready? Let's read Genesis chapter 2 and verse 4. The Bible says, This is the account of the creation of the heavens and the earth, the man and woman in Eden. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, verse 5, neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth for the Lord God had not yet sent rain to water the earth and there were no people to cultivate the soil verse 7 jump to verse 7 it says then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils and the man became a living person. Let's pause there. Now you see this Lord God who is 
forming this man from the dust of the ground. See, when you read Genesis chapter 1, you, you see a very, very uh, impersonal touch, right? You just see that God created man and woman in his own image, that's all. But here, it becomes extremely personal where it says, the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. He doesn't say he created man like he created heavens and the earth. He formed or fashioned him from the dust of the ground. And furthermore, the Bible says, he breathed the breath of life into this man's nostrils so that he can ultimately become a living person. Now, check this out. This is where we are seeing a different revelation of who this God is. We're seeing a different revelation of this Yahweh. We are seeing a different revelation of this, this God that we are talking about. And, and we are talking about this God who not just created us, but he is forming us and he is wanting to be involved in our life. He's wanting to be part and partial of the life-giving process of our life. Verse 8. Then the Bible says, then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east and there he placed the man that he had made. Now, it says, first he made man and then he began to make an environment around him that will be suitable for him, that will be uh, a place where he can live, that he, he will be able to enjoy. And this Lord God, who was so interested in how this man lives, the Bible says, this Lord God, he planted a garden. He planted a home, technically speaking, right? And then after making this home, he placed this man in this garden. Let's jump to verse 9. Now the Bible says, The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground. Trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. And in the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, if you read Genesis chapter 1 account, you would see that God created everything and then finally God created man. But here it says, no, God first created man and then God created everything in such a way that it will be perfect for this particular man. Let me, let me make it a little more hard for you to accept this. In Genesis chapter 1, the whole chapter revolves around God. It was all for God's glory. But if you come to Genesis chapter 2, the whole chapter revolves around man. What, what is good for man? You know, it's not good for him to be alone. See, God did not have a problem in Adam being alone. But God looked at Adam and said, hey, wait, wait, wait. But for Adam, it doesn't look like it is good. He feels good to be alone. So let me make a help. So, so the whole of chapter 2, you would see that God is showing a different side of him where he is interested in man's welfare. Where he is interested in, in building a world, building an ecosystem, building a, 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 an environment around him that will be favorable and that will be beautiful, where, where he can thrive, where he can enjoy. See, I'll tell you the two extremes that we have in Christianity. Can I tell you these two, two extremes of theological understanding that we have in Christianity? Yes. There is this first group of people that say, everything is, is, is not about you. It's all about God. You know, God, God doesn't care for you. You know, you're all, you're all here for God's glory. You know, don't sing songs about yourself. Don't talk about yourself. You know, all of this is vain. Let's all, only and only talk about God and God's glory. Let's all exalt Elohim. Amen? Amen. <laughs> and then there is a second category of people who are, who are least bothered about this Elohim aspect of God. But they are like, don't worry. 
it's all about you. You know, he loves you so much. And he, he wants to take care of you. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you don't do. It doesn't matter if you, uh, you know, live for God or you don't live for God. It doesn't matter. God just loves you. He just wants to take care of you. He wants to have a relationship with you. And then we overemphasize on Genesis chapter 2. And we think that the whole Bible revolves around us. But the truth is, both of that is true. Do you understand what I'm trying to teach you? That Genesis chapter 1 is also real, that the whole gospel revolves around Jesus and Genesis chapter 2 is also true. That the whole scripture is pointed towards man for our blessing, to show God's love and care and personal involvement in every area of our life. So when we don't realize this, we will, you know, be in that place. You remember last week we were talking about how Elohim, he is one day going to judge you. That you will have to give an account for everything that you have done, you have spoken, you have spent, everything that you've done. This Elohim is going to judge you, right? Now the guys that love, you know, talking about Genesis 2, they don't like talking about judgment. They only like talking about how God forgives and how God is, you know, always there for you. Don't worry, nothing will go wrong. And on the other hand, the guys who are so ferocious about God is a judge and, you know, God, uh, you know, I have grown up in a system like that where, you know, every Sunday there will be a, a, a word that talks about how a lightning is going to fall from heaven just in case I, I mess up one of the commandments anywhere from Genesis to Revelation. I will get squashed like a cockroach and, uh, and uh, you know, it'll, my life will be d done. You know, so there are those people that, that get stuck with Genesis chapter 1 that don't really believe or agree in what the Bible talks about in Genesis chapter 2 where we see a loving uh, 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 a God who wants a real personal relationship with man who wants to do everything in such a way that it is uh, that it is going to be comfortable for this man that he is forming and fashioning another thing that you would notice is that both the names are going to be used together did you notice that? It doesn't say Yahweh. It says Yahweh Elohim. Okay, this God is, the root word is Elohim. We, we studied that last week. Do you remember that? And the root word for this word Lord is Yahweh. So in, in Genesis chapter 2, when we read Genesis chapter 2, it doesn't say then Yahweh made this or Yahweh did this. It says then Yahweh Elohim did this which means we cannot just have Elohim or we cannot just have Yahweh we need Yahweh Elohim we need the loving creator and we need the 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 judge who is who is forgiving we need both of them we need Yahweh Elohim amen now in verse 15 it says this this Yahweh Elohim the Bible says because of his love for man, he says, he placed man in the garden of Eden. He placed him there and then he gave him an assignment. This, this revelation of Yahweh today is going to give you a new assignment from heaven. Some of you may be in this place where you're, you're feeling very impersonal relationship with God. I, I know that I love God. I know that God is the ultimate creator, that he is uh, supreme above everything. One day I'll have to answer to him. But this God, he says, no, 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 I want to be involved in your life. I, I, I want to give you an assignment. I want to be part and parcel of every aspect of your life. I want to fashion your life. I want to decide how your career is going to proceed. I want to decide where you're going to live and what you're going to do with your life. That's what he did for Adam. Verse 16. Then this Lord God, he warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except, you know the story, right? Except 
the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So in other words, now this Yahweh uh, Elohim is having a conversation with this man. And he's telling him the advantages and the disadvantages of things. And, and he's, he's, he's guiding him. He's helping him. He's walking with him as a, a friend to friend. Then he goes on, verse 18. I already mentioned this. Then this Yahweh Elohim said, Hmm. I know that I saw him and I found him good, but it doesn't look good for him to be alone. So let me do this. I don't even want him to go searching for this. I will make a helper who is just, come on, read it for me. Who is just? Who is just right for him? Who is exactly what he needs? I will make him a helper. I will make him a helper. And, and, and this morning, if you're in that place where you're saying, I have to like really struggle hard to find me a suitable partner, don't worry. Your Yahweh Elohim is there for you. If you truly believe that your Yahweh Elohim is... is uh, somebody that wants a relationship with you not only will he take care of your life not only will he fashion every aspect of your life but he will also plan your marriage he will also plan the person that you have to get married to and for the ones that are already married and you're wondering hey but these things don't fall into place guess what he's still working on you he's still working on your spouse he can still fashion them in the perfect way possible amen how if you know that ever since the fall none of us are perfect only Adam and Eve could look at each other and say man she is perfect for me ever since then no matter how much illusion you have that the other person is perfect that person is not perfect he or she is not perfect and he's not perfect for you God is constantly continually working and fashioning them so that that person can be helpful and beneficial for you amen so whatever area of your life you you feel that you know you you have a lack or need it could be a relational area the lord says don't worry i am your yahweh elohim and i am the one who is going to make somebody i'm going to make a helper i'm going to make a provider i'm going to make a you know I'm, I, if there is nobody i'm going to make one specifically something custom made suitable for you Verse 19, it says, So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. Help me understand this. Genesis chapter 1. Who was made first, animals or men? Sure? But did you see the order turn here? Here the Bible says, when God looked at Adam and God saw that it's not good, he doesn't feel nice, he doesn't like it to be alone here on the earth. God said, okay, I'm going to make helper, a helper that is suitable for him. And guess what God did first before he made Eve? What did God do? First, the Bible says he formed from the ground. Do you see in chapter 1, he just spoke and he created all animals, right? But in chapter 2, it's a completely different revelation of this Yahweh Elohim, right? It says now he formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. And what did he do? He brought them all to the man to see if man will like it. This was not about God liking it. This was not about Elohim enjoying this. Who, who had to enjoy this? Man had to enjoy this. You remember this? Genesis chapter 2 is about man's pleasure. Genesis chapter 1 was about God's pleasure. And here God is bringing everything to man and saying, Okay, what do you think about this? Do you like this? You know, uh, if you've ever gone shopping with somebody who's very picky and particular with their choices and you have to spend an entire day in the mall 
in, in several shops and, and you're trying one dress after the other, one jacket after the other, one hat after the other, you know, to the extent that, you know, these guys, they have to come and shoo us off the place. And that's exactly what God did with Adam. God brought all the wild animals and the birds of the sky and everything that he had made, he brought them before Adam and see what he would call them and, and what name he will give to each and every one of them. And, and even after that, the Bible says, Adam did not give his own name to anybody. He didn't, he didn't identify with anybody. So finally, the Bible says, verse 21, so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Let me give you a marriage advice here. Not marriage advice, pre-marriage advice, okay? <laughs> this is pre-marital advice. The Bible says that God brought all these wild animals and birds to him, right? What would have happened if Adam would have settled for one of them saying, God brought this person to me? Come on, who brought these animals to him? God brought, right? What if Adam would have said, oh wow, God, you know, I, I don't know, but you know, God brought this person. I have no clue how I'm going to live with this tiger. But because God brought this, you know, you know, it may probably help or somehow work out. <laughs> After the fall, you're going to be this tiger's meal, brother. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes God will bring options and choices before you not because that is the best option for you. But he, he, what he's trying to do is help you develop your discernment. Your ability to make the right choices. Your ability to, to see your image. Now, when God created man, he made him in his own image, right? So when God wanted Adam to pick a helpmate, God wanted him to look for somebody who is like him, who is in his image, amen? And can you imagine what, what would have happened if Adam would have compromised? He would have messed up God's plan for his life. And the Bible says, when God saw that Adam was patient, the Bible says, then finally, God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. Again, it says, Yahweh Elohim, twice. And it says, then Yahweh Elohim took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. See, this is the reason why I'm reading all these verses out to you. I know that all of these verses are familiar to you. I'm reading this to you to tell you how much intimately and personally this Yahweh Elohim wants to be involved in every area of our life. Sometimes we think that he's just somewhere up there just speaking things into existence. No, he wants to be intimately involved in every area of your life. To the extent of putting you to sleep, giving you some rest, to, to give you a day off so that something good can come out of that day off. That's how intimately and personally is this Yahweh Elohim working and wanting to work in your life. Verse 22, it says, Then Yahweh Elohim made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. And the rest is history. We know the story, right? And, and, and what would happen if we give that kind of uh, allowance for Yahweh? to work in our lives, for this Yahweh Elohim to interfere into our lives, to be part and parcel of every aspect of our lives. What will happen? How will we respond? What, how will our lives be different if everything in our lives we are going to involve and we're going to welcome the presence of this Yahweh Elohim to come and help us, to come and you know, walk with us, and to come and teach us. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals that Yahweh Elohim had made. You remember Yahweh Elohim made animals and all those things, right? And it says the serpent was the shrewdest. And so one day he came to the woman 
and said, did God really say you must not eat the fruit uh, from any of the trees in the garden? What did you notice? What did you notice? Suspicious, he, he made her doubt, okay? What else? Ah, did you see that? See, till now, did you, did you notice that? Till now, God was rel relating with Adam and Eve as what? I am Yahweh, Elohim. I'm Yahweh, Elohim. I'm Yahweh, Elohim, right? Now, when the serpent came, he did not refer to God as Yahweh Elohim. Not as somebody who wants to love you and care for you and want to be intimately, personally involved in your life. He just said, he is this bully sitting up in heaven. He is this judge, this fierce, supreme personality that is sitting up there. Did he really tell you not to eat any of the trees of the garden? Did you see the change in revelation that he is giving to the woman? He's not saying, hey, see, even when the Bible says that God created this serpent, the Bible says Yahweh Elohim created the serpent. You see that? But when, it's, when the serpent is talking to the woman, what does it say? What does it say? It says, did Elohim tell you to do this? Did Elohim ask you not to eat of this I know that he doesn't have the best intention in his heart or his mind for you now this is something that the enemy is going to convince each and every one of us the enemy is going to restrict he's going to try to restrict our revelation to Elohim and not let us see the fact that he is also our Yahweh he is our Yahweh Elohim and when we see him not just as our creator but also as our lover when we see him not just as the fierce judge the supreme ruler of all mankind but also as one who is personally going to be working with us hand in hand telling you hey don't eat that don't take that don't marry her don't get involved in this business he is so closely intimately personally involved in every area of our life and he's doing that because he loves us and he wants that personal relationship with us see if the enemy can convince you that God doesn't want a relationship with you then the enemy has succeeded in deceiving you Guess what we get in church most often is religious talk you do this God will do this you know you jump off God will catch you you know it's a very transactional thing but here is God saying hey I want to be Yahweh Elohim to you I would like to be Yahweh Elohim now the funny thing is God still didn't stop referring to himself as Yahweh Elohim even though the serpent brought an illusion and a different word that Adam and Eve were not familiar with. Okay, from the time Adam and Eve had woken up, they are they are having a relationship with Yahweh Elohim. Right? They are walking with this Yahweh Elohim, and they are talking with this Yahweh Elohim. Now here is a different voice that comes and tells you, "Hey, he's not Yahweh Elohim; he's only Elohim." Right? And still, God doesn't choose to reduce his standard. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8. Now, mind you, this is after they rebelled. This is after they made a mistake. This is after they had sinned. The Bible says, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard whom? <laughs> they heard... Yahweh Elohim even after the sin even after the rebellion even after the fall they still heard Yahweh Elohim they still heard his voice after the fall after the fall the, this Yahweh Elohim came searching for them came to still wanting to walk with them do you think that Yahweh Elohim you know that he is also Elohim right so as much as he's loving and gentle and forgive, he's also Elohim. He knows everything, man. He is, uh, you know, all-knowing, right? Beginning and the end. Everything. He, he, he knows it all. 
and still the Bible says verse 8 let's read it together when the cool evening breezes were blowing the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden so what did they do so they hid from the Lord God among the trees See, even now the revelation of God is still the same it is Yahweh Elohim even now the revelation of God is that he is a God who wants an intimate close personal friendship and relationship with us amen verse 9 read it out then Yahweh Elohim called out to man saying where are you where are you and, 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 and this Yahweh Elohim he wants to have a conversation with man and, and he wants to ask him what went wrong whose voice did you listen to whom did you believe and finally these guys came out and said God we are naked and we are trying to hide and uh, verse 11 it, this is what Yahweh Elohim replied see everything that we read in this particular story it is a personal uh, God who wants to have a relationship with man who is asking these questions he's not asking this to condemn him it is not Elohim talking it is Yahweh Elohim talking right is this in your Bible too who is talking right now Yahweh Elohim is talking and what is he saying who told you that you are naked have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat even in asking this question he's not asking this to condemn them he's asking this to help them to to stand with them because he wants to be involved in their life in this the same Yahweh Elohim who previously said you can eat of everything but don't eat of this particular tree is the same Yahweh Elohim who is coming and saying hey can you tell me who told you that you're naked he's, he's not he's not asking them why are you feeling naked he's asking them who who told you that you are naked in other words somebody had to give them a different information about who they are and how they look other than what God had already told them see till now the revelation about them was what God had told them about themselves right God never told them that they are naked because in God's eyes they were not naked right so God never made them feel bad about themselves or God never made them look down on themselves you understand what I'm saying when God spoke to them when God identified them God did not identify them or address them with their nakedness but then the Bible says someone else came and called them naked and that's what God begins to address here who told you that you are naked whose voice did you listen to what other people are you listening to who what other you know revelations are you getting than what I have given you already and he says have you eaten of this fruit you ready verse 13 then Yahweh Elohim asked the woman what have you done then she replied the serpent deceived me she replied that's why I ate it and you know the whole conversation how it went from back and forth back and forth then the Lord God said to the serpent because you have done this you are cursed more than all animals domestic and wild you will crawl on your belly groveling in the dust as long as you live check this out what is what is he doing he's cursing the serpent okay but who is doing this is it Elohim or so even in his cursing who is he doing how is he doing he's doing this out of his love and care for humanity humankind this Yahweh Elohim out of his love out of his wanting to have a close personal friendship with man and woman he says you know what I'm going to curse you sir Satan I'm going to curse this serpent and this serpent is going to be forever like this verse 21 the last verse from this particular story it says then Yahweh Elohim 
he made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. I think this is the first, you know, leather jacket, you know, in the history of humanity. The Bible says God made leather jackets, right? Uh, the Bible says that the Yahweh Elohim not just questioned them for their lack, now he made a provision for them to be covered. Now he knows that, hey, now they see themselves as naked, now I have to cover them. Now God, this Yahweh Elohim, he made a covering for them. He made clothes for them. Wow, I cannot overemphasize this. This Yahweh, he desires to be in a most intimately involved relationship with us. This Yahweh, Elohim that we are talking about in Genesis chapter 2 and 3, what does he want? What is he looking for? He desires. This is all that he's looking for. He is looking to be involved in our life. He is looking to be intimately, personally involved in every aspect of our life. Everything. From the highs to the lows, to the, from the good to the bad, from the spiritual to the secular, from the things that are uh, very important to the things that don't seem very significant. Every aspect of your life, this Yahweh Elohim wants to be involved. And he wants to be involved in this relationship with you. Can I take this a little further? Do you have 10 more minutes? Yes. Okay, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 22. This Yahweh Elohim has not yet stopped, okay? It says, Then Yahweh Elohim said, Look, the human beings have become like us, knowing both good and evil. What if they reach out and take fruit from the tree of life and eat it? Then they will live forever. In other words, right now, they had rebelled against God. Sin had entered into humanity. And, and God was talking uh, between himself, you know, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're having a discussion. And the Bible says they're talking to each other. Now, if they eat of the tree of life, if they take part of the fruit from the tree of life, then we will never be able to help them with their sin. Because this sin will live forever. This problem will exist forever. So a loving, relational God, he decided to bring about a change. He did not do this because he hated man. He, even in this verse, the Bible says, even in this verse, it is Yahweh Elohim. By the way, this term Yahweh Elohim is found only in Genesis chapter 2 and 3 in the entire Bible. You will never find this anywhere else. This was an exclusive Garden of Eden experience. Okay? I'll tell you why that is important. Because through Jesus, we get back into that Garden of Eden experience. Amen? Now, this, this Yahweh Elohim, nobody, not even Moses, on Mount Sinai, in the thickness of that glory, could call him Yahweh Elohim. Not even... You know, all, all, all the saints in the old and the new, no, nobody could have that revelation of Yahweh Elohim. Amen? The Bible says, because God did not want this evil to live forever, God said, let me stop this right now, right here, right now. And sometimes, see, when there is a problem in your life, this loving kind, gentle, forgiving God, He may bring a stoppage in your life. He may close some doors. He may bring some negative aspects, some negative points into your life. And that is not because He doesn't love you anymore. And, and sometimes what we do is we immediately ask questions like, has God rejected us? Has God stopped loving us? No. It is in His love that God is deciding to do what He decided to do just now. In, even in this verse, it says, verse 23, it says, So Yahweh Elohim, what did he do? He banished them in his love, in his care for them. He banished them from the Garden of Eden and he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. Why did God do that? 
because of his love for Adam and Eve. Because he knows that if this guy remains here, he will never see the consequences of his sin and he will never learn his lesson and he will never cry out for repentance. He will never cry out for redemption and he will be lost for eternity. So I have to allow him to step out of this garden and be by himself and struggle on his own to cultivate. See, till now, he didn't have to cultivate the garden. He had to tend and watch and just, just take care of it, right? But now he has to work so that he can eat. Till now, he just had to cut and just, just, just do maintenance job in the garden. But now he has to work day and night so that he has food to eat, the Bible says. Can you imagine? And the Bible says God did that because of his love, because of his care. Verse 24, after sending them out, after banishing them, the Yahweh Elohim stationed a mighty cherubim to the east of the Garden of Eden. And he placed a flaming sword that flashed back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Now, this Yahweh Elohim, he placed a, a, a cherub and, and in his hand was given a double-edged sword that will flash back and forth. So that anybody that tries to come near to this tree of life will have to fall on this sword. Now, that was the last time the word Yahweh Elohim was mentioned in the Bible. That, and we were trying to have a revelation of Yahweh God, right? This Yahweh, he is a very personal God. This Yahweh, he's not just our supreme creator God, but he's a very personal God. Amen. And he wants to be involved in our life. And when he disconnects us from something and when he puts a barrier, he's saying, hey, I, I'm trying to still make a way for you. And the Bible says that in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 10, you all know this story. Let's read it out. It says, but it was, you know, the, the word the Lord there is the word Yahweh. Okay. It's not Yahweh Elohim like in the Garden of Eden. But it was, it's, the, it's still the word Yahweh, okay, which is, which is the loving, caring heart of God for us. And it says, but it was Yahweh's good plan to what? To, to do what? To, to crush whom? To crush Jesus and to cause him grief. Wait a minute, why? 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 Sorry? Yeah, what was the plan? Save to save man. How? We just read something in the previous verse. There was a cherub that God put with a, 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 a sword. So anybody that has to bring this fruit from inside the garden out for general use has to go through that sword. And when you and I look at this, we will say, bro, this, this is your end. You, you cannot come out of this. The Bible says it was Yahweh's good plan. To no, wait a minute. How can it be a good plan to crush somebody? How can it be a good plan to cause grief? the most perfect, to the most sinless, to the most beautiful, to the most glorious person in all of universe. How can it be a good plan? It was not for him, it was for us. Do you understand? I'm talking about the Genesis 2 God right now. The God who wants to be, who, who wants to make a world for you in such a way that it, everything works out for your good, for your blessing, in such a way that you will enjoy your life. So that you will see the fruit of your life. So you will be able to see the life, the, the, you will be able to eat from the tree of life, even though you do not you never got to enter into the Garden of Eden. Someone who can cross that cherub for you and go and bring the fruit out for you. It says, 
yet when his life is made an offering for sin what will he have he will have many descendants you and i today we are yahweh's descendants you and i today we are jesus's descendants amen the bible says verse 10 the same verse it says he will enjoy a long life and yahweh's good plan will prosper in his hands in jesus hands when he died for us when he was crushed for us when he went through that cherub's sword for us only he could come go be killed and come out alive because only he was sinless blameless everybody else was stained with the sin what was the reason why god said adam and eve cannot go in what is the reason because they had eaten of the tree of knowledge of good and evil so there had to be somebody who is not stained by that fruit who would be able to go in but if he goes in it will cost him his life and and that's what jesus did for you and for me jesus was crushed jesus was caused pain first corinthians chapter 6 and verse 11 let's read it out this is what god did for us you were cleansed you were made holy and you were made right with god come on loudly once again you were cleansed you were made holy and you were made right with god why how because of what jesus did when he passed through that cherub's sword amen what happened to you and for me you were cleansed come on declare this to your neighbor look at them and tell them you were cleansed you were made holy and you were made right with god amen and the bible goes on to say how did that happen when we call on the name of the lord jesus christ and by the spirit of our god and today when we choose to choose to put our trust in the name of this jesus who who went who went and and faced that cherub's sword for us who is the revelation of yahweh's love for us who is the perfect representation of yahweh to you and to me if you have seen me you have seen yahweh he said to us he was the perfect representation of of god to us the bible says when we call on the name of this jesus we were cleansed we were made holy and we have been made right with god amen the bible says in the book of micah chapter 5 and verse 4 that this jesus he will stand to lead his flock with yahweh's strength in the majesty of the name of yahweh his god now throughout scripture throughout scripture you would rarely find this these two names being used together right and even in the book of revelation i mentioned this that you know we will come a point where bible says he will show us he will give us a new name he will tell us a new name he will tell us what is his new name right and the bible says this jesus he is going to stand to lead his flock who are his flock yes amen all the flocks of jesus just wave your hands to me if you're asleep wave it higher The Bible says all the flocks of Jesus he will the, the Jesus will lead out lead them with Yahweh's strength and and he will lead them in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God that is our eternal destiny that forever and forever there will be a continual revelation of that name Yahweh Elohim He will continually lead us in the majesty of the name of Yahweh. He will continually lead us in the in 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 a in a deeper understanding of what Yahweh really truly means. 
we will not boast in our chariots or our riches like some nations do we will boast in the name of Yahweh Elohim who is going to lead us this Jesus who is going to lead us in the majesty of Yahweh in the majesty of the name of Yahweh his God Yahweh his God is Yahweh his God come on just just lift up your hands to him right now can we just admire his name right now can we just adore Yahweh Elohim right now Lord we just pray in agreement right now Spirit of God you are here in this place you're watching these hands and you're seeing their hearts right now we just speak Yahweh Elohim come and breathe upon them Lord breathe upon them Yahweh Elohim come and touch them Yahweh Elohim come and restore them refresh them take them from strength to strength from wisdom to wisdom increase upon increase we also pray for the ones that are watching us online we pray for the ones that are receiving this word and, and I pray for the ones that want a breakthrough in their life that want a personal physical involvement of Yahweh Elohim in their life we invite you on their behalf to come and speak to us speak to us touch them Lord and and be involved in informing fashioning and and in and in changing their destinations and to and to and to and to carve out each and every detail of their lives Lord we thank you Lord that today you've shown us that you love us and you care for us and that even when you say a no it is because of your love for us that it is because of your care for us and our prayer is Lord that you will just cause us to overflow more and more and more and more overflow in your love Lord help us respond back in love to you help us to respond back in thanks to you because you deserve it all in Jesus name we pray thank you for tuning in we believe that you are blessed by the word we would love for you to be a guest on any of the weekends on a Saturday night service at 7 p.m. or a Sunday morning service at 11 a.m. For more information, please visit our website, dreamingrevival.com.